Take your Bible with me this morning and turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. passage that prophesies the coming of Jesus Christ, but also is, I think, extremely um, accurate uh, for our uh, circumstance, our uh, setting today. Uh, and we see it in the uh, opening uh, lines of uh, of that uh, of that passage when it uh, verse two when it says the people walked in darkness. Uh, if there has ever been a succinct, accurate description uh, of the world written, uh, that would be it. Uh, I can't speak completely uh, other than from history books uh, about Isaiah's time, uh, and I can't speak for certain, uh, again, other than history books about the time uh, of Jesus' birth, uh, but I can certainly speak to uh, the time in which we live. Uh, and to say that the people uh, walk in darkness is uh, an accurate, if not even uh, uh, understatement uh, of our situation. It's in that uh, vein, it's in that uh, light that uh, Isaiah writes about uh, the coming uh, of Jesus Christ, the birth uh, of Jesus Christ. I found uh, an article that was extremely uh, interesting to me as much as anything because uh, of where it was. Uh, it was in uh, the Los Angeles paper uh, several years ago, uh, in fact in 1994. Uh, on Christmas Eve, uh, the Los Angeles Times had uh, a, a major article uh, right up that uh, they called uh, a tale of Jesus' birth uh, provides uh, a look at the social climate uh, of the times. Uh, history scholars say Mary and Joseph lived in an oppressive society in which they were heavily taxed. So that was the headline and the subheadline uh, to their uh, to their article, and they go on. Uh, to write uh, something of, uh, uh, actually, uh, I was a little shocked at how accurate uh, the Los Angeles Times was to uh, to the Bible uh, and to uh, the history uh, of the birth of Christ uh, as we understand it. I'm just going to, uh, I'm not going to read it all to you. I'm going to paraphrase uh, what it uh, says. A cold Mediterranean night 2,000 years ago, uh, Joseph and pregnant Mary trudging through rough terrain, uh, on donkey, on foot, making the 100-mile trip from Nazareth to Joseph's hometown uh, of Bethlehem. Uh, had it been a voluntary trip, uh, they might have chosen to travel in the dry season, uh, but they had no choice. Uh, for tax reasons, Mary and Joseph headed to Bethlehem, uh, and according to the, birth, the story of Jesus' birth in the Gospel of Luke, far away in Rome, Emperor Caesar Augustus had demanded a census be taken of all his conquered lands, so he, <laughs> sounds like things haven't changed that much, so that he might know what he could collect uh, in taxes. Um, taxes were paid at that time 
largely uh, in crops and animals, um, and the society uh, was extremely oppressive, uh, heavily taxed. Uh, some scholars believe uh, that uh, Rome demanded as much to 50 to 60 percent uh, of what common people grew and owned. Um, and unlike uh, our system, which is supposedly uh, designed to help the poor and the less fortunate, uh, the tax system of Rome uh, was designed to make the rich richer. Uh, it was designed to make uh, Caesar stronger uh, and to provide more power to him. Herod was the king of Judea, uh, Samaria, uh, and Galilee. It was effectively a police state. Uh, Herod was a what was known as a client king appointed to run uh, this uh, area uh, of the Jews. Uh, again, uh, it, it says it's clear that Herod was brutal. Um, Jesus was born into basically a third world country under a military dictatorship. It was a society where everyone was coerced. Uh, as in most uh, agrarian societies, about 10% of the population was born into nobility, and the remaining 90% lived in poverty, uh, growing grapes and olives and grains. Uh, in Bethlehem, uh, where it was drier, they grew uh, sheep and goats, and the people, uh, they raised one bag of food for themselves, and one bag of food for the government. One sheep for themselves, one for the government was roughly uh, the way the system worked. And that was the political climate uh, in which Jesus was born. Uh, says nothing uh, of the spiritual climate uh, of that time. Uh, as the people were, uh, were uh, again, uh, far from God is the simplest way to put it. Uh, they had wandered away from God. That was the reason, uh, basically, they were in the situation uh, politically uh, that they were in. We have some indication uh, of the religious uh, setting uh, of the time later on uh, when we see uh, the... Uh, souped up uh, trial uh, that was held uh, at Jesus' crucifixion and how the uh, religious people uh, reacted uh, and how they, not reacted, but how they acted uh, in that time. Uh, and as again, as I, I look at that, and I give you uh, really all that background uh, to let you know uh, that things weren't that much different uh, then as, as they are now. Politically, uh, spiritually, uh, we are walking uh, in darkness uh, even still today. And so uh, as we look at this text, uh, I want to talk to you for a moment uh, about uh, the people's dilemma. Again, that, that simple statement, uh, the people walked uh, in darkness. I think uh, for, for even... Uh, the average uh, person. We understand uh, when someone talks about the difference uh, in walking in darkness and walking in light. We, we recognize uh, the distinction uh, between those two. And I, I expect we could go out 
uh, into the community uh, and ask people and give them a piece of paper and a pen uh, and ask them to write down uh, their description or their definition uh, of what it means to walk in darkness. And I think uh, we would get relatively, uh, there may be a little bit different vocabulary, but we would get basically uh, a, a similar uh, response. It's a, a statement that I think is uh, extremely uh, it just transcends uh, society. I think we could go to another country uh, and ask them, what does it mean to walk in darkness? And I think, it may be in another language, but I think we'd get a similar uh, reaction to what it means uh, to walk uh, in, in darkness and to live uh, in that kind of uh, life, to live uh, that kind of lifestyle. And, uh, and when God talks about uh, Isaiah talks about uh, here the people walking in darkness, uh, whether he was talking about uh, his people, uh, which uh, this passage is an interesting passage uh, because uh, it really has two, uh, two approaches. It, it was dealing with uh, the present situation, uh, and if you go back and read chapter 7 and 8 of Isaiah, uh, you'll get some of that background. Uh, and so he was talking about his people. Uh, he was talking about the people at the time uh, that Christ would be born, uh, but I think we can look at it again and say that it's a relatively accurate description uh, of where we find ourselves uh, in uh, 2021, uh, here almost uh, 2022. Uh, as we look at our society, uh, consider where we are uh, for some two years now, uh, we've dealt with this uh, come and go pandemic uh, comes more than it goes uh, we've dealt with that we see the obvious uh, the political turmoil uh, that has went on in our uh, in our nation uh, for the last uh, however many years we see uh, the uh, decline of the church uh, and the condition uh, of Christianity uh, in our society. Again, when we look at the numbers in uh, the Baptist church, uh, we see that uh, we our number one year, and I've told you this before, uh, our highest year of baptisms uh, in recent history, and it's not even recent history anymore, uh, was 1971. Uh, we haven't baptized uh, in, the, in the Baptist church as many people any year as we did now 50 years ago. Uh, uh, think about that. Fifty years ago, uh, and let me let me get, do something. Some of you may have seen this on the internet, uh, but do you realize that 1971 is as far from 2021 as 1971 is from 1921? That, that, you know, when I think about 1971, I was alive then. It really doesn't seem quite as far. But when I put it into perspective to say 1971 is as far. Now, 1921, on the other hand, that was the Dark Ages. Uh, yeah, and and 19, that's how far back 1971 was. And that's the last time uh, the highest number of baptisms uh, we have had. And so we see the condition of the church. We see the condition uh, of society. Uh, and so when Isaiah says uh, the people walked in darkness, uh, the people of 2021, uh, or here uh, just a few weeks away, the people of 2022 can say, Amen. We got it. We know. We understand exactly uh, what Isaiah is talking about. We, 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 you know, we don't have to scratch our head and go read a book. Uh, we still uh, see that uh, people today 
uh, walk uh, in darkness. And uh, in Isaiah's context, uh, it was about to get much worse. Assyria uh, was, uh, was going, uh, we know from history, was going to uh, invade uh, through that area, uh, going to come down uh, through the area that we now know uh, as Galilee and, and overrun uh, those people. They thought it was dark uh, that day. Uh, what they didn't understand was how dark uh, that uh, things were going to be, how much darker uh, it was going to get. Uh, and, and I am to be very honest, uh, concerned that in our culture today, uh, in our world today, and specifically uh, in the church today among Christians, uh, I think, to be very honest, we are somewhat naive. I don't think we realize uh, just how bad the situation is. I don't think we realize how immoral uh, and how wicked our society has become. I heard Tony Evans years ago, uh, some of you may know Tony, uh, Tony preached a message one time, said, how dead is dead? Uh, and, and he went on and explained, he talked about that, how dead is dead? How dark is dark? You know, uh, you know, you, you can, uh, you know, if you if you cut if you come in this building when uh, no lights are on, uh, it, it's fairly dark. The only light uh, is a little bit that shines in those two doors back there, and depending on whether those doors are open or not, uh, you know. But but you can you can still if you stand there a minute, let your eyes adjust. Uh, you can usually at least get an idea where the chairs are uh, and make your way uh, to the light switch. Uh, have you ever uh, there over here? Have you ever been in a dark room, you know, where, where uh, film was uh, developed, that's dark. You know, uh, you, know, you can't, I mean, literally that hand in front of your face thing, you can't see it. Folks, I don't think we understand and, and t- uh, that we, uh, we take for granted just how dark our society has become. You know, I, I don't know about you, but many of you have today, you know, the smartphones, and I've lost mine again. There it is. Uh, you, know, uh, you, know, that, uh, you know, you carry them uh, with you everywhere you go, and, and, you know, you flip it open, and, uh, you know, on, on the screen, uh, it'll pop up, you know, the latest little news thing that comes up, uh, whatever is, and I'm just looking to see if it's going to help me out today with an illustration. It doesn't. Uh, but there are very few days that it doesn't pop up, and somebody somewhere around here has been keeping. You know, there, there's, you know, drug deals going down constantly. You know, everywhere we look, you know, we see uh, the decline of society. The people were walking in darkness. Today, people, folks, are walking in darkness. I've shared with you before the story of uh, the, uh, the, the insurance man uh, for the church who used to be a missionary in Paris who went out knocking on doors and asked a lady, said, do you know Jesus? And she says, yeah, I believe he lives right over there. You know, that's how dark we've come in our society, that, that people don't even recognize the name of Jesus Christ. Go out and ask people uh, the question uh, that uh, is used in the faith presentation. The opening question is, in your personal opinion, what does a person have to do to go to heaven? Go out and ask that question this week. Go out and ask people, what do they think? In their opinion, their opinion, what does a person have to do to go to heaven? 
Folks, can I tell you today that a, a large portion of even church members don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? A lot of people, uh, it's almost 50% of those who profess Christ do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. They walked. Maybe we should take that out of the past tense. And instead of saying they walked in darkness, I think it's fair to say they walk in darkness. So what does Isaiah propose? Notice not only the people's predicament, but then we see in this next verse, uh, as we move on, we see the promised deliverance. He says, they walked in darkness. He says, but uh, they've dwelt in a land of deep darkness, and on them has light shone. On them has light shone. Look at that. Keep going in that verse. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. Uh, you have broken as on the day of Midian for every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be uh, burned as fuel for the fire. Look at those opening words in that statement. You have multiplied the nation. You've increased the joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at, uh, at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Wait a minute. What's happened? Something has is, something is transpired here. We just read in verse 2, they walked in darkness. Well, Now, look at what he says here. He says those same people that walk in darkness, he says now you've increased their joy. They have rejoiced with you. They're glad when they divide the spoil. What has happened? That doesn't sound like walking in darkness to me, does it to you? Yeah. You start talking about joy and rejoicing. What has happened? We'll back up and look real closely. He says, they were walking in darkness, but they have seen a great light. They have seen a great light. On them has the light shone. Who is the light? The Bible tells us in the New Testament, Jesus is the light of the world. What transpired? What changed for these people who were walking in darkness? They saw the light. How many of you remember that old song? I saw the light. I saw light. No more in darkness, no more in night. I would sing it to you, but you'd still be in tremors come Christmas. I'd ruin your whole Christmas. Listen. You see what it says? It says something changed when they saw the light. You see this promised deliverance that God brings about, that He, he offers to them, that things were going to change when they saw the light. He says they walk in darkness. Israel, well, listen, Israel was a mess. Israel was an absolute mess. Again, they were under Roman um, not so much captivity, uh, more dictatorship might be the way to put it. Uh, what Rome would do to, to nations is they would go in, they would overrun them militarily. But they, unlike, there, there were times, if you remember, um, that, um, that, that uh, Israel was conquered by the Babylonians and they took them, and, and took them out of Israel and took them to Babylon or while they were held captive in, in Egypt. It's not what the, the Romans had a different system. 
the Romans would come in and overtake your country. And then you were in, uh, you were in servitude to them. You could stay in your home, you could stay in your country, you could keep your police, you could keep your city council, you could keep your fire department, you could keep your mayor, you could, you know, you could pretty much go on with life as you knew it, except for a couple of things. One of them we've already talked about. You had to pay taxes. You had to pay taxes. They, they wanted their, their, their people to be at home working because working people can pay taxes. And so they, that was the number one thing. The second thing they couldn't do was they couldn't stir up any kind of um, uprising. You know, you, you, I remember when we were in China, one of the things that uh, they told us was that, uh, that the Chinese had um, people in neighborhoods who watched and reported to the government if they saw, you know, several cars at your house or a large gathering of people because they figured you were plotting against the government. And so they, they, there were people who were trying to get in good with the government who would turn you in. Well, Rome was a lot the same way. You didn't gather. You didn't, you didn't stir up an uprising. Go look at how some of the things the priest uh, accused Jesus of. That was basically one of the accusations. That he's trying to stir up trouble. And, and, and so they had all of that kind of stuff going on. They, you know, they, they, they couldn't really rule their own country. Again, they couldn't exercise the death penalty. We see that in the story of Jesus. They, you know, their, their religious system, their priests were, you know, just, you know, make you sick to your stomach corrupt. You know, we, again, we see that in the story of Jesus. Israel was in a mess. But the Bible says, Isaiah prophesies and says, the light is coming. The joy is coming. The rejoicing is coming. Now let's move and see that actual deliverance, that actual gift, the, the destruction of darkness. You see then the, the provision uh, that's described. Look in verse 6 and 7. And you all know this verse, this passage. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, and of peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. To these people who were walking in darkness. To these people who were living in a politically, socially, spiritually corrupt society. Isaiah says, I want to hang out for you the offer of relief. I, I, I want to hang out here and put out for you a little bit of hope. There is coming a gift. A child will be born. Listen, I want to do the same thing Isaiah did. I want to tell you today that wherever you find yourself, 
Whatever condition you find your life in, your family in, your home in, your workplace in, I want to say to you that there's hope. That is the story of Christmas. Yeah, it, listen, I, yeah, it's not about the, the lights and Santa Claus, all those things, they're fine you know, if you want to do. But listen, what I'm telling you today is the story of Christmas, the message of Christmas is the hope of Jesus Christ. Unto us a child is born, he says. Unto us a child is given. Listen, this was their hope for a bright and glorious future. Listen, if you would have asked the average Israelite, what, what, what is your, you know, if you ask most parents or grandparents this, what's the hope for your children or grandchildren? You know, They'll talk about how they hope things are better, how things are you know, better for them. All the, you, know the, you know what they'll say. If you would have asked the average Israelite, what is the hope for the future? Most of them would have said, we have no hope. We have no hope. We have no hope. This is terrible. We're barely able to get by. The Romans are taxing us to death. They're, they're running our country. We just live here. We're just, we're just holding down a spot. We have no hope. Isaiah says to them, there's hope. Listen, what Christmas says to you and I today is the same thing. There's hope. Whatever it is, whether it's job, whether it's family, whether it's addiction, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your health, whatever it is, the birth of Jesus Christ says to us, there is hope. There is a light shining in the darkness. Have you ever been out late at night, maybe even lost? Maybe when you were younger, go out in the woods and play and, and it get dark before you realize it and, and, and you're not real sure where you are and, you, and you're trying to figure out where to get, how to get home and you're not real sure. But way off in the distance, you can see just a little twinkle of a light. Doesn't have to, have you ever noticed? Doesn't have to be a real big light. Doesn't have to be a real strong light. Doesn't have to be one of those big search lights that they sign up into the sky. It can be just a little porch light. And you see that light, and you begin to work, walk towards that light. And as you walk towards that light, and you get closer and closer, the light gets bigger and bigger until eventually you get to that light, and you realize, okay, now I know where I am. Now I can find my way home. You ever been out like that? And that light, way off in the distance, is just a little twinkle of hope. You know, as long as I can see that little bit of light, there's life. So, here, you know one thing about a light. If there's a light up there, there's electricity up there. If there's electricity up there, there's people up there paying the bill. I may not know who those people are, but there's hope. Listen, that's what Isaiah says to the people of Israel, and that's what he says to you and I today. You may be in a situation in your life. You may be going through a time in your life where it appears darkness all around. But he says there's a light, the hope of the birth of Jesus Christ. He says to them, he says this, this light, listen, obviously that's a, a reference to Jesus. 
He says he's going to... There's several things that he talks about here. As you look in verse 2, he says he's going to increase the government. What does he mean by that? He says he's going to give light to those that were held in bondage. He's going to give them peace. Increase the government. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but when I hear increase the government, I'm like, you know, I draw up a little bit. That would have been a different understanding for them. They would have understood it as increasing the government of Israel, overthrowing their, their, uh, their, uh, the Romans, and, and giving them peace and freedom. Listen, I want to, again, whatever, whatever is holding you captive today, he says that light, he says he comes to give us freedom, <coughs> deliverance <coughs> from, uh, from, <coughs> excuse me, from, uh, from death. He goes on, he says that, that he, he promises to protect, to bring joy, in verse 3, to bring joy, to bring happiness. Many of you know what joy is. Know the distinction between joy and happiness. Listen, you need to know that today. There's a difference in joy and happiness. Happiness will be your child or grandchild's face Christmas morning when they open up that that toy they've been expecting. Joy will be what they have in their heart if they don't get what they wanted. See, happiness is what goes on around us. Happiness is what happens to us. What happens for us. Joy is what happens in us. That's why, I guess, probably my favorite Christmas carol is the one we sang this morning, Joy to the World. Not happiness to the world, you ever had, let me ask you this. You ever had anybody take your happiness away? That's the problem with happiness. You know, people can take away happiness just like that. You know, that, that, that happiness can be gone just like that. Joy, on the other hand, is what's in here. And only God can give it and no one can take it. He says He came that He would have joy. He says that he'll bring peace. You know, as I think about this Christmas, and I think about this season, and this time in which we live, I don't know that there is a greater need in most people's lives than peace. Than peace. Hearts are breaking. What, what we have been through, what this nation has been through, regardless of your opinion, regardless of your attitude, whatever you think about the media, the government, what this nation, what, what this world has been through in the last year and a half to two years. People need peace. We've got the Russians talking about invading the Ukraine and China talking about invading Taiwan. And every time you turn around, there's somebody flying a jet, launching a missile, rattling a saber somewhere. 
divorce rate, families falling apart, addiction of all kinds. Addiction is not just alcohol and drugs. There are all kinds of addictions in our society. And what people need is peace. See that statement on the screen? I love that statement. That's not my statement. I'd, I'd give credit to it if I knew who said it originally. God's ever, answer to everything that has ever terrorized us is a child. God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us is not just a child, but it's this child that was born to Mary the Virgin in a stable, who grew up, walked among us, was tempted in every way as we are, and ultimately died on a cross for our sins. As beautiful as Debbie and Dana's song is, I love that song, I love the words of that song, but I never noticed there's one line in there that, that I heard that kind of caught my ear a little bit. It said, this was my cross too. Now, this wasn't my cross too. This was, that was my cross. I deserve to die on that cross. That was my cross. He took my cross. It, he went there for me. He went there for you. The answer this Christmas season, the answer any season, is this child. This hope, this light that Isaiah promised. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning while our musicians come. The answer to whatever terrorizes you, the answer whatever burden you're carrying is this child. This child, Jesus Christ. I don't know what burdens you walked into that door, in this door with this morning. I don't know what burden those of you sitting at home this morning watching online. I don't know what burden you're carrying. I don't know what's terrorizing you. What has you worried? What has you fearful? What has you discouraged? What has you depressed? What is eating you inside? But I do know this. Jesus Christ loves you. And He cares. He wants to walk with you. He wants to encourage you. The Bible says He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he walks with us even through the valley of the shadow of death. And I don't have to fear any evil. This morning, whatever your burden is, Christ child of Christmas wants to help you with that burden. wants to help you carry it if you'll let him.
Would you come this morning and kneel? We'll pray with you. Pray where you are. You're here today and you don't know this, this child. You don't know him as your Savior. Online, you don't know him as your Savior. Would you come today? If you're online, send us a message, call, email. You're here in this room. Come, come and let me show you from God's Word how you can know him personally. He is the hope. You don't have to walk in darkness any longer. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we ask you to take it and to use it. God, we know that for many people, Christmas is a joyous, happy celebration. God, I also know that there are many who are burdened, who to use the word terrorized. Their past, their future, terrorized. And God, we know that your answer is they don't have to walk in darkness because you sent the light. God, help them to see that you want to help them. You want to walk with them during this time. It's in Jesus' lovely name I pray. in the darkness, tired of being terrorized by my past, by my future, by my situation. For your attention today. Uh, if you did not get your picture made, uh, I hope you will. And again, Tara uh, will uh, be over here at the Christmas tree. And uh, again, she's told me she can touch them up, and so she can, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what that means. She might give you somebody else's head or something. I don't know. Uh, but I uh, hope you'll uh, go over. And um, can't have any more snacks. It's lunchtime. That'll mess up. You can't have dessert before lunch. So, um, but uh, I said, if you will, um, if you didn't get your picture made, uh, 
make your way over here, and uh, she will get, uh, she'll do the best she can. She's not a magician, but she'll do the best she can. All right, hope everybody has a wonderful Christmas. Uh, remind you, uh, we will be having our Christmas Eve service this week uh, on uh, Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock. We're going to do it a little different this year. Uh, we're going to do it at 4, and so I uh, hope you'll uh, make plans uh, for that. I'm trying to, uh, so remember that. It'll be a brief service, about 30 minutes, uh, and so remember that uh, Friday uh, afternoon. All right, let's bow as we dismiss. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the day you've given us, Lord, and for all you do for us. Uh, God, pray, Lord, that you'll go with us as we leave here. Um, God, we pray, Lord, that uh, as, as you spoke to Isaiah today, Lord, that um, we wouldn't walk any further in darkness, but God, we would trust uh, the light of Jesus Christ, and we'll give you the honor for it all. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.